know, you got to be prepared and process for the blessings of God. You know, and what happens, many people uh, think, I guess, because, you know, they don't have what they are believing for right now, that they're not ever going to get it or, you know, God doesn't love them or whatever or think of them as highly as someone else or whatever, right? But, but that's, that's far, that's the, the further thing from the truth. God wants to bless you, you know, but you have to be prepared and processed for it. And that's what I want to get into today. Um, I need you to just give me a moment because I have to lay a foundation first before I really get into this. But if you got ears to hear, you'll get blessed. I'm telling you right now. And you'll, you'll be helped greatly, I believe. But I want to make sure that you understand first what's available to you, why it's available to you, and then we'll get into why you don't have what you're hoping for right now at this moment. All right, you guys ready? Okay, so let's start here. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And, um, you know, again, I'm going to be laying a foundation. I'm not going to be shouting, hollering, rolling on the floor, flowing at the mouth, you know, swinging from the chandelier. I'm not going to run around this church. I'm just going to be real focused. And I'm going to teach this. Is that all right? All right, good. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading the Amplified Version. And it says, Christ has purchased our freedom and has redeemed us from the curse of the law or the curse that the law broke or bought because it was broken, right? He has redeemed us from that and the condemnation of it by becoming a curse for us. Right. So you need to understand the first thing that you need to understand is that you're no longer. That's why we say we're blessed and we can't be cursed. You know, you're not under a curse. You know, what I'm saying once you give your life to the Lord Jesus, you're no longer underneath a curse. Right. The curse that the law broke. And the reason why is because he became a curse for us. Right. When he when he got up on that tree, he became a curse. The Bible says that cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. You know, so he was cursed by God as he was up there on that tree and he became a curse for us so that we would no longer have to be under a curse. Can you say amen? So Christ has redeemed us in the, in the, in the King James. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Right. Just said that that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we may receive the promise of the spirit by faith. Right. So we are. We were considered Gentiles, right? I want you to understand there were two, there were two people on earth at, at one time, right? I know there's different, a lot of different nationalities and stuff like that, but as far as God was concerned, it was, you know, Jews, and, and it doesn't mean nationality, Jews. Jew just meant worshiper of the true and living God, right? There were Jews and there were Gentiles. I don't care what your nationality was. African, Ethiopian, whatever. You don't, if you didn't believe in the true and living God, you were considered a Gentile. Greek, Roman, whoever. You were considered a Gentile, right? So they were Jews and they were Gentiles. So when it says here that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, right? We, were, we are included in that. And we have been adopted into the family of God as a result of that. Can you say Amen. So when you when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're no longer a Gentile. You become, you know, you, you're born again, blood washed, blood bought believer. Right. Who is now in the family of God. Not only that, you're a son or you're a daughter. Can you say amen? amen. Now, so I said, as we start this message, I want to just start by laying a foundation and I'm going to just make this real quick statement. Christ is the reason for all the blessings that have been made available to us. 
right? You understand that, right? He is the reason. He is the one that paid the price for us to be blessed by God. As a result, we no longer live underneath a curse because Jesus became a curse for us. Can you say amen? It is called the divine exchange, and I want you to understand that. He took upon himself our curse, and he placed his blessing upon us as a result, right? He became a curse so that the blessing may come upon us, right? So he took the curse upon himself, and he released his blessing that belonged to him upon us. Can you say amen? Now, because of the work that Jesus did on Calvary, the blessing God bestowed upon Abraham now belongs to us as his children. With that being said, neither you nor I deserve any of the blessing that God bestowed upon us, right? Um, none of us are good enough. None of us are worthy of his blessing, right? The blessing of Abraham has been made available to us because Jesus paid the price that we can never pay. Does that, that, make, that make sense? See, the reason why I want to bring this up as a foundation is because so many people think, well, you know, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not deserving, you know, of God's blessings. You're not. <laughs> and neither am I, right? None of us are, are worthy because of what we've done or didn't do to receive the blessings of God. We are made worthy because of what Jesus did. So you are worthy, but not because you did something to deserve it. Let me break that down a little bit further. You, 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 are you guys, is this okay? Okay. So let's talk really quick about then if I, if I have the blessing of Abraham on my life, what is that? Right? It, it's beautiful to hear, well, the blessings of Abraham are mine, you know, but what is that? Right? What are those blessings? So in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, now I'm going to go through this. And I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on this, but I want to lay a foundation. Is that okay? Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, Now in Iran, the Lord had said to Abram, Go away from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land which I will show you. And he's, now this is the blessing of Abraham that is now bestowed upon you. Can you say it all right? So that you know. I will make you a great nation. Right? I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Which now includes not just Jewish believers, but Gentile believers. He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and I will bless you abundantly, right? I will make your name great, or I will make you distinguished or exalted, or I'm going to make you famous, right? And you shall be a blessing, and I'm going to get back to that a little bit long, a little bit later, but I, you will be a blessing, or you're going to be a source of great good to others, and I will bless, or I will do good or benefit those who bless you. So somebody's good to you, I'm going to bless them because they're good to you. Because they bless you, I'm going to bless them. So if you want to get blessed, you should bless me. <laughs> but I'm going to bless those that bless you. And I will curse or I will subject to my wrath and judgment the ones who curse, despise, dishonor, or have contempt for you. So that's why you don't need to fight your own battles. Because if somebody does you harm, or does, see, you're, you're God's child. He don't play. So you don't have to curse nobody out. You don't have to jump on nobody. <laughs> Try to fight your own battles. He says, if somebody does you wrong, I'm going to take care of that. 
going to curse those that curse you, man. They, they mess around with my children. They mess with me, and I'm going to jump on them for that. Okay? And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So now this is the fivefold blessing that God placed upon Abraham that now extends to his children, both natural born, which are Jewish, and his extended family or Gentile believers, right? Christ has redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. For it is written that cursed is every man that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, right? So now the blessing of Abraham comes upon us because we believe. Can you say amen? Now, let's keep on going. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. I'm giving you a lot of scripture because I want to get through something. I want to get to something, so I got to get through something first. <laughs> Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. I love this scripture. It says, but when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might redeem and liberate those who were under the law, that we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children, listen to this, with all rights as fully grown members of a family. My God, man. So you've been adopted. Once you give your life to Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God. You become a son or a daughter. And the Bible says, as God's children, you have full rights as a fully grown member of his family. <laughs> and listen to this. And because you really are his sons or daughters, right? God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. See, I want you to understand something about God. He's not, he's not just, oh, he's just God. You know, the big apple pie in the sky, you know, he's just God, you know. <laughs> he's not just some God out there. He's your father. You're his children. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's why the Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace. See, when you're a son or, you're a, or a daughter, you, 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 don't, you don't just like, you know, I'm unworthy to come into your presence. You don't do that to your father, to your mother. You know you're worthy. You, you know you can go into their presence. That's why it says come boldly, you know, to the throne of grace. That you may obtain mercy for when you fail and grace to help in a time of need. Why? Because you're my children. I'm going to help you when you got situations. So it says the spirit of his son is in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. You're my father. Not just some God. You're my father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through the gracious gift of God through Jesus Christ. <laughs> so if you're a son or you're a daughter, you're an heir, right? Being an heir means that you have a right to an inheritance that has been left. Right? And let me just, I don't want to get too deep into this, but Jesus, the, the, the New Testament is the last will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the New Testament is. In it, it contains all of the promises that he left as a result of his death. When he died, he left us promises or he left us an inheritance. And when you give your life to Jesus, you become an heir or a recipient of that inheritance that he left for us. Okay, let me, let me continue going. Are you getting something out of this? Now, again, I'm not even leaning to my message yet. I'm just laying a foundation. 
Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. It says, for you who are born again, have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God, set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, and you know our baptismal pool is going to be coming soon. We might even get it this Thursday. Isn't that something? You know? And so if you want to get water baptized, we're going to be doing that very soon. You know, but it says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with Christ, the anointed have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics and his values. There is now no distinction in regard to salvation, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For, for you who believe are all one in Christ Jesus. No one can claim a spiritual superiority over somebody else. And if you belong to Christ and you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to the promise. Whew. My God. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants or his seed or his children, and you are heirs according to that promise. You've been less than inheritance. It belongs to you. Can you say amen? amen? Abraham's blessings are yours. And I put here, see, I believe that one of the greatest revelations we can receive from God is the fact that we are his children. Because people say it, but they don't really believe it. Because if you believe that you were a, a son of the most high God, a great king, you would never walk around with your head hanging down. You would never feel like you're worthless or like you're nobody. And there's nobody that's a son or a daughter of a queen feel like they're nobody. They're, you know, they know their royalty and they know they should have some subjects. You know, they know, they, they, they know that some people are supposed to be bowing before me. They understand that. They ain't, you know, if you watch the royal family, man, they, there's a certain way you approach them, man. You just can't. They ain't playing no game. Oh, you know, I'm worth, I'm nobody. You never, you can imagine that? I'm nobody. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You know, <laughs> can you imagine that? I was watching, um, you know, Megan and Harry and stuff like that. I was watching them. I was watching that. And, you know, they, they, they left the royal family. And they was cut off from everything, man. I mean, they, they took their bodyguards, everything, man. They, took, they stripped them of everything, man. I was like, whoa. But I mean, it, it, it was like, it was amazing, you know, if you really, if you watch that and you check out how royalty operates, it's, it's like, it's on another level of, of thinking. You know what I'm saying? It's just another level of living and thinking. Like, it's, like they have a responsibility. They know from birth, they have a responsibility. You know, to, I mean, and it's to the people that they're serving. It's like, they, they know they have a responsibility. And it's like, that's why they have no privacy, because they know they have a responsibility. And these media outlets just come in and they check their lives out, man. I mean, they, they and they have, since they're, when they're kids, they're taught how to act and how to behave because they're constantly under surveillance. They're constantly being watched. 
So they just can't do whatever they want to do when they feel like doing it. It's crazy, man. But, you know, living in royalty, I mean, it's a different set of circumstances. And you have to be prepared for that. All right, and let me, let me not get too far off because I, I got to stay focused on my message. Now, I'm going to say this to you, not to hurt people's feelings. No, not everyone in the world are God's children. But those who believe and are born again. See, because you give a, oh, you know, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're not all God's children. Some of, some of these people's fathers is the devil. Jesus said, he told the religious leaders, <laughs> he told the religious leaders, you're your father. He said, well, Abraham's our father. He said, you're your father, the devil. <laughs> he said, he was a murderer from the beginning. You know, you take on his way. I mean, you know, he told the religious leaders. He wasn't talking to unsafe people that, quote, unquote, not in the church. He was talking to the religious leaders that said, you're your father, the devil. So they people, oh, I'm God's child. Yeah, okay. The God of this world, <laughs> who is the devil, but, but not the true and living God if you haven't given your life to him. I want to be honest. See, I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that you understand something. Again, you would like to believe, people would like to believe that they're all God's children, but that's not a factual, and it's not scriptural. We are all adopted as his sons when we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. We're, we're adopted into the family. We weren't his children, but when we gave our life to Jesus, we were adopted as his children. And as adopted children, the Bible says that we now have all rights as fully grown members of his family, which also means... <laughs> That as his children, we have also become his heirs. That means that we have received an inheritance. Now, your natural parents may not have left you anything as an inheritance, maybe because they couldn't or whatever reason, right? But your heavenly father has. You are his child, which also means that you are royalty because our God is a great king. Now see, isn't that amazing? <laughs> Most of us, a lot of us come from nothing. And now, because of the work of Jesus, we have become heirs of God through Christ and joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? All right, I'm still going somewhere. You guys, are you guys all right with this? And we, although not natural sons and daughters, have been adopted. And with that adoption comes the full rights and privileges of being natural sons and daughters. Through Christ, we have been made heirs to the promise that God made to Abraham. We are now a part of the nations that were blessed because of Abraham, right? More specifically, we are blessed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can now call our God Abba, Father, <laughs> because he now really is our Father. Amen? Okay. So with that being said, you can't earn what you have, right? You acquire it by faith. That's where it begins. You acquire this by faith. You can't earn it. You can't work for it, but you can acquire it by faith. Romans chapter four, verses one through five. It says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking, has found? Has he obtained a favor standing? It says, for if Abraham was justified, listen, that is acquitted from the guilt of his sins by work, those things that he did that were good, all right, because he did something good, 
he has something to boast about, but not before God. See, if Abraham had to work for his salvation, then he'd have a reason to boast. See, I worked. See, I had to do this. I had to stand on my head. I had to crawl on my knees. I had to whip myself, you know, and now God, and I'm, my, my sins are forgiven because I put myself through that. I worked. I earned it because I had to do this. See, if he had to do that, then he'd have a right to boast, the Bible says. And it says, for what did the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. Now to a laborer, listen to this, his wages are not credited as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation or something that's owed to him. See, if, if when you work your job, nobody's giving you a gift when they pay you. You earned that. I worked. I gave you hours of my labor and time and effort. And as a result, you're compensating me for my work. Right? There's not, you know, give it to you, be like, why don't you say thank you? I just gave you, a, you didn't give, I, there's no reason for, for me to thank you. You're paying me for my time. <laughs> now, if you give me a bonus, that's a gift. But if you gave me my rag, I worked 40 hours and you paid me for 40 hours, ain't no need for me to say thank you. <laughs> I did the work for that. Now you give me a bonus, thank you. Thank you. I know you didn't have to do that. Thank you. I appreciate that. But see, when you're a laborer, your wages are not credited to you as a favor or a gift, but it's an obligation because somebody owes you something. But to the one who does not work, that is the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. So we don't work for our righteousness. It has already been bought and paid for. Jesus bought and paid for it. All we had to do as any other gift is receive it. By faith, we receive what he did. We're not owed it. We didn't earn it. We just say, thank you, Jesus, for being willing to go through everything you went through so that I could be saved. I thank you for this gift. Can you say amen? Again, Abraham did not earn this blessing and neither can you. Abraham acquired this blessing by trusting and obeying God's word, not by earning it. This blessing was a, was a gift that God gave Abraham because he obeyed God. God literally told Abraham to, listen to this. This is what God gave me. God literally told Abraham to meet him at a place and that he would bless him once he got there. It's like me telling you that if you'll meet me at the church at 12 p.m., I'll give you the money to pay your rent. Now, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you didn't earn that money. You received it because you met me at a designated place as a designated time, and I gifted you with the blessing of paying your rent, right? That's a gift. You don't say, well, I showed up. I earned it. You didn't earn nothing. <laughs> so you could have said, I don't have time to meet pastor at the church. I got something else to do, <laughs> right? Or you could say, I don't want, I don't, I don't believe that pastor's really going to do that. And if you don't obey, you won't get your rent paid. Either way, my offer to you is a gift. 
is not something that you can say you earned or you worked for, right? It's a gift. You have to receive it by faith. So there's many people that, that say, you know, well, I don't want, I don't want Jesus. His offer is a gift. You can believe, you can believe it or not, but he's offering his gift to the entire world and it's open to anybody that will believe and receive it. Can you say amen? All right. So I'm finished with my foundation because I wanted to show you by saying all that, that this is something that is available to you. Again, not because you earned it, but because of what Jesus did. So now all of you here, myself included, have access to what God has promised us. Nobody has to be, you know, living in a particular state, right? Nobody that's saved, right, has to, you know, um, live in depression or live in poverty or, you know, live in fear. You don't have to because it has already been something that has been given to you by Jesus Christ. So with that being said, why don't you have it? Right? Why don't you have it then? If that's the case and it belongs to me by inheritance, why don't I have it? Now I'm ready to get into my message. You guys ready? Okay, now I'm taking this off because I'm hot. But I'm going to have to for this message. You guys ready? Again, I was laying a foundation. I got 30 minutes. You ready? Galatians 4, verses 1 through 2. Why don't I have what I'm believing for? Most of the time, if it's one or two things. Either one, you don't trust and believe for it. Or two, you're not ready for it. I want to assume that you're trusting and believing God. I'm not even going to go down that road. I'm going to talk about not being ready for it. Okay, let's talk about that. Galatians 4 verses 1 through 2. It says there, now what I mean when I talk about children and their guardians is this. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, even though he is the true, he is the future owner and master of all the estate. So as long as you're a child, now I'm going to get to something with this. I'm not calling you children. But as long as you're a child, right? In other words, as long as you're too young to receive the inheritance, right? Or not mature enough or not ready or prepared for it, right? As long as you're at that state, the Bible says you differ nothing from a slave, even though you're the future owner and master of all. But the Bible says, but he is under authority of guardians and household administrators or managers until the date set by his father when he's of legal age. So there, I, must, I want to say this to you. There is a date on a calendar that God has prepared for many of you. There is a date on a calendar. Now. After hearing about all the blessings that are available to you, again, only one question really needs to be answered. That is, if all of these blessings are available to me, why don't I have them? The answer is, you'll not receive them until you're ready for them. Last week, I made an example with Minister Chas, right? And Anna, my beautiful grandbaby. 
And I asked him if he would just hand her over $1,000 right now. Just give it to her. You know, here, $1,000 cash, put it in her hands. <laughs> and his cancer, of course, was no. Why? Because he doesn't love her? No. Right? Because he wants to keep something good away from her? Right? Do you think that's why he didn't want to, wouldn't give her $1,000 right now? Well, you know, I just don't want to. I'm just withholding something good from you. See, that's what people think about God. They think that God just withholding something good from them. God loves you. That's not the issue, right? Why don't I have it? Is it because he doesn't want me to have good things? No. Then why? Because she's not ready to handle the responsibility of having it. She wouldn't, know what it, she wouldn't even know what to do with it right now. Now, would he give it to her if he had it and she was ready for it? Without a question. I see how much Chaz loves his daughter. I see how much Toya loves her daughter. Of course, she had it and, and she was ready for it in a minute. Here, take it. Any loving father would. But any loving father would also not give a child something that they weren't ready for. See, it takes love to not, to restrain from giving. Because I don't want you to hurt yourself. Right? I, it takes love to say, I, I, not right now. I can't have that. that. That takes love. Oh, I can't believe you like that. I hate you. You know, all that stuff. I'm, I'm not doing it because I love you. See, I love you. I don't want you, you know, I don't want that to hurt you. We've all been through it with our parents. You know, they won't give us something that we want right now. They know they're not ready for it. But now you're mad at them and like fire, mad as fire at them. I hate you. You know what? You know, and all that stuff, right? <laughs> they are brokenhearted. They love you. They want to give you good things, but they can't because you're not ready for it. I'm taking my time with this. The child has to grow, mature, be processed, and prepared for it before they receive it. And it is the same way with us. See, I know we don't want to think about ourselves as children. You know, you know, some of us are 30, 40. I'm knocking on 50's door like that. <laughs> but I'm still God's child, right? And there's some things that I'm just not ready for. If I don't have them right now, then I know that I, I'm just not ready for them yet. So again, you don't have what you're believing for yet because you're not prepared for it. Now I'll ask you one more question. If your child is old enough to receive the money, but they have a reputation for wasting money, should you give them more money to blow? So it's not just about age. It's about having the ability to be able to handle something. And, and you know, right? You know your children. I can give them that. I mean, but they would just, if your kids, uh, you know, they own drugs and stuff like that, you gonna give them $1,000? <laughs> no, <laughs> because I love them. You know, you can't be an enabler. You know, like, like they used to say, giving a drunk a drink, that's what you do. That's being an enabler, giving a drunk a drink. <laughs> you know, you have to, you have, your, your love sometimes 
The best love you can give is no, not right now. The child doesn't just have to be old enough to receive it. The child also has to have the ability to be able to receive it and handle it. And that's where the process and preparation comes in. You know, I was watching, I was, um, I was reading this book, one of my favorite books on financial literacy, one of my favorite books. And it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Fantastic book about finances. Great. But uh, it's this father that is super wealthy, right? And he has this child, and he says, I'm going to give you so much money. And he says, I want you to go out into the world, leave this house, go out into the world, and I want you to, I want you to do something with this money. And then the promise was, if he was able to handle it, when he came back, he would give him his estate. He said, but if, if you don't handle it, then I'm giving to this, then I'm leaving it to someone else that will take care of it. Because the worst thing you can do is you work all your life, you build all of this thing, and then you give it to somebody that just blows it in a year. <laughs> you work all your life like a dog trying to build something to leave to your family. They, they're not prepared for it, and they just blow it. So he sent, gave him all of this money, sent him out into the world. The first thing he did when he got out there, he blew, he, I mean, before a year out, he blew all the money. But the father also gave him the laws of, of finance. He gave him these laws. He didn't look at those laws. <laughs> he just took that money and he started trying to just do his thing with it. He lost everything. And finally, he, you know, after he's broke, <laughs> he's trying to figure out what to do. He remembers that he has these laws. He starts reading them. And he's like, man, if I would have listened to my father's wisdom, I would have never lost all that money. And so he started with nothing but listening to his father's directions through the laws he gave him. And he wound up building wealth as a result of it. And when he comes back, he's able to give his father back what he gave him. And then he doubled it. <laughs> and then his father left his estate to him. The, the, the principle of the story was this. See, if you're not prepared for something, you're not ready to handle something, you'll just blow it. You have to go through that process of being prepared. And that's what his father did. He prepared him for taking over his estate. He didn't just give it to him. And see, we want God to just give us stuff. But God is trying to prepare you and process you for it, if you'll allow him to do so. All right. So, so let's talk about this real quick. Go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. I'm trying to get somewhere, and, and, uh, but I got I to gotta lay this. And for some of you that got ears, this is going to help you big time. And you're going to be on a road to, I mean, really going to the next level in your life. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. I love that about Jesus. He's faithful. And the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth, or the rulers of all the kings of the earth. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I like that. Are you grateful that he didn't use chicken blood? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. And has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Now listen to this. See, after Jesus saved us from our sins, right, by washing us in his own blood, he started the process of making us into kings and priests unto God. Now, the word making means to be in the process of developing or being made. It means to alter something so that it forms something else. It means to prepare to go into a particular direction. It means to ensure someone's success or favorable development. That's what the word making is. And God is making us, right? He's trying to get us to go in a particular direction that will lead us to success, right? He is trying to form us into something new than what we were before, right? He's trying to take, develop us, right, and process and, and get us to the next level so that we can be prepared for everything that he has for us. Can you say amen? This is the important thing for you to understand about being prepared and processed. The more critical your work, the longer your process is going to take. Now, I know you don't want to hear that, but those are the facts. For example, you don't need to be, you don't need to be trained long to sweep floors. I could train you probably five minutes how to sweep a floor. <laughs> but lawyers have to go through extensive schooling and training for their profession. The more extensive your work is, the more long your process is going to take. That being said, if you have great work to do, you're going to have to go through a real process. Now, this is what I want to say about process. The law of process or the law of becoming states that you can't just be something, but you can become it through the law of process. You can't just say, in the name of Jesus, I'm a pilot in Jesus' name. In the in Jesus' name, that's what I, and then get in the plane, start flying. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> now, you can become a pilot if you're willing to go through the process of becoming a pilot. You just can't say, man, God loves me. In Jesus' name, I'm a surgeon right now. Lay down. Just start cutting somebody over. <laughs> you can't do that. You gotta be prepared and pro you gotta go through the process if you wanna become a surgeon. You can become it if that's what you really want, but you gotta go through a process, right? Solomon, he just, you know, he became a police officer. He'd been believing for that for a long time, years, years and years and years and years, right? And he didn't just say, I'm a police officer in Jesus' name and go outside and just start stopping cars. <laughs> you know, like, what are you stopping me for? I'm a police officer in Jesus' name. Where's your badge? Where's your gun? I don't need that in Jesus' name. I'm a, I'm a police officer. <laughs> like, can't do that. <laughs> you talk about the process he went through in order to become a police officer. It'll blow your mind. All of the training he had to do, all the work he had to do, fitness and all that stuff. They tear gassed him. They put tear gas in his face and all that stuff. He had to, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff he had to go through to become a police officer. You just can't just say, I'm, I am that. In Jesus' name, I am that. Like, no, you got to go through a process to become that. But many of us just want to just be it. You just can't, uh, you know, I'm rich. Yes, you are. In Jesus' name, but you got to become it. You still got to go through the process. Now, you can start believing to become something. But you still got to go through a process to be it. And what people don't realize or understand is they do have to go through a process. 
things just don't happen. Now, this is my real point. You have to be prepared and processed for the blessings of God. See, as I just mentioned, you don't have, you don't have what you want right now, not because God doesn't want to bless you with it, but because you're not ready to receive it. You have to go through the process of being made so you can be ready for his blessings. Right? God will not just, God will not just give you a lot of money. You got to go through a process. We, we see what happens when people are just given a lot of money. Right? I, I watched a documentary called The Curse of the Lottery. <laughs> all these guys that hit the lottery, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, blew it all. Just went broke. Like, how do you get 15, 600 million dollars and go broke? Because you don't know how to handle it. And God won't do that to you. See, the world will give you the money through a lottery. <laughs> but if you're not processed and prepared for it, you'll blow it. And that's why God don't just give it to you. He goes through a process of preparing you for it. So now I want to start talking a little bit about prepared for certain things, right? And um, I thought about different topics. And so the first one I want to talk about really quick is being prepared and processed for being promoted in life. Whether it's your job, whether it's in business, it doesn't matter whether it's in ministry. I'm talking about being prepared to be promoted. Okay? First of all, you need to understand this. Psalm chapter 75, verse 7. It says, for not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the, the, the south or the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he lifts up another. So the very first thing you need to understand about promotion is that God holds the keys to your promotion, right? God is the one, not your boss, right? Your, your, your God is the one that holds the keys to your next promotion. He's the one that raises one, out, one up and he puts another down. With that being said, you don't have to kiss nobody's butt to get to your next level of promotion. All you gotta do is trust God do your current job well and be willing to go through the process, right? See, I didn't just say trust God. See, some think that God will promote them irregardless of their performance. They can just do, you know, work how they want to work, you know, and they can just, you know, neglect, play on Facebook all day, and then God going to promote me because he loves me. <laughs> Don't work like that. They think loving God and God loving them is enough, but it's not. God requires you to do your job and do it well before you can ever think about being promoted. Now, that goes for those of you that are in business for yourselves as well. God is not going to promote or expand your business if you're not conducting your current business properly. That's the bottom line. Promotion is about growth, and you have to be prepared for growth. Promotion is nothing but more responsibility. And if you can't handle your current responsibilities, you'll never be able to handle the next level of responsibility. When you're being promoted, you're graduating to another level. So again, if you can't handle the assignments on your current level, you'll never be able to handle the next level of assignments. Your current level is preparing you for the next level. 
and how well you perform will determine whether or not you'll be able to handle the next level. When you master your current level, then and only then will you be ready for the next. With that being said, God will promote you if you prepare yourself for promotion. Now, I remember I was talking about this, this diner that I like to go through, go to. And um, food is great, service is great, right? Until they got a lot of people in there. And they got a lot of people in that restaurant, service is horrible, slow. <laughs> they're, they're like frenzy. They're like in a frenzy. They don't know what to do. And God, one day I was sitting inside there, and I was waiting for like 20 minutes before somebody came over. <laughs> and God said to me, he said, they're not ready for, for, they're not ready for expansion. They're not ready for growth. Now, you go down to Top's down, Diner downtown, I mean, and, oh, you get inside there to get you, get your food out. They got the next person. They ain't messing. They, I mean, they are prepared for growth. <laughs> they don't be messing around. They can handle the volume. Keep them coming. And they mean, you know, like the old, I don't know what they do now, but before they renovate it, we'd be all sitting out there waiting to eat. They get you inside there, you get your food, you out. They got the next person in. They, I mean, they ain't playing no games because they're prepared. They have a system, a process, and they're ready for growth. And God won't give you, see, God won't give you more if you can't handle it because it won't bless you. You know what I'm saying? It won't, your, your most, a lot of businesses go out of business because they can't handle the volume. A lot of those people that be on Shark Tank, you know, a lot of those guys go there, right, for that additional money because they have all of these orders and they can't fulfill them. And that's the quickest way to go out of business. Not being it because all you need is bad reviews. Oh, I ordered my stuff a month ago. I still ain't got it. Now, now you're out of business. So there's a process for this thing. So I want to look at real quick the process. And I got 15 minutes. The process that Daniel went through. I was looking at promotion, right? And I was looking at the prophet Daniel. Now, look, now, now check this out. There was a natural preparation that Daniel had to go through. And it says in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Bible says the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and brought the articles into the treasury of his God. And the Bible says, And the Babylonian king told Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and from the nobles, young men without blemish and handsome in appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with intelligence and discernment and quick to understand, competent to stand in the presence of of the king and be able to serve in the king's palace. So these guys already had to have some requirements already, including being good looking. <laughs> they had to be skillful, they had to have wisdom. They had to be intelligent, right? They had to be able to quickly understand, right? They're going to a foreign nation now. They have to be able to quickly understand what's going on. They have to be competent, right? And see, these were from the royal family. So these guys have been trained already from birth how to conduct themselves in the palace. Right? So they had to have all that going for them already. 
He also ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Right? So now they had to go through a process of education. The king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine he drank. They were to be educated and nourished this way for three years. Before they stepped into the presence of the king, they had to be trained for three years. They had to learn the language. They had to learn the culture. They had to learn, you know, how to stand before the king and in his presence. They had to learn, for three years, they had to go through this process. Before they stepped foot in the king's palace, they had to learn this stuff. Three years. So that at the end of time, they were prepared to enter the king's service. See, they had to go through preparation. He didn't just come there, yeah, I'm Daniel. I'm a prophet of God. Where's the king? Let me talk to him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> He couldn't talk to him if he wanted to because he didn't understand the language. <laughs> he had to go through a process of being prepared to stand before him. Among them, you know, was the sons of Judah, was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And, you know, so I put here, in Proverbs 19, verses 2 through 3, it says, Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries with his feet, active and acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, sins and misses the mark. And it says, The foolishness of man undermines his ways, ruining whatever he undertakes. Then his heart is resentful and rages against the Lord. For being a fool, he blames himself. He blames the Lord instead of himself. You go on without understanding or learning or analyzing the consequences. And then the consequences bite you and then you get mad at God. Say, why'd you, why would you let this happen to me? Again, before Daniel went before the king, he had to be prepared through being educated in the literature and language of the Chaldeans for three entire years. You see, people think that just because they love God and God loves them, they don't have to go through the process of being prepared. Again, how could Daniel communicate to anyone about his God if he couldn't even speak their language? He had to learn about them and their culture so he could be as effective as possible in the king's palace. This training, therefore, was necessary what he learned in those three years of study prepared him for the rest of his life in the palace. See, preparation time is never wasted time. If you'll prepare yourself, it'll get you ready for the rest of your life. You know, I was telling somebody recently, I said, without a question, back in the, you know, I'm talking about years ago, 20 years ago, when I was, when I was working for Prudential at the time. I made a decision that I'm going to learn how to do taxes. I never forgot. Right? I said, let me go learn how to do taxes. So I remember going to H&R Block. I took this course on how to do taxes. They taught us, man, they really had a great class at that time. They taught us how to do taxes by hand. There was no, tell them to stop messing with that doorbell, please. They, they, they um, taught us how to do it by hand. There was no, you couldn't use the computer until you came out the class. <laughs> so it was like everything was, was by pencil and paper. So you had to figure out the calculations. You need to know everything that was going on to break it down. Because most people that do taxes nowadays, they don't know what's happening. 
They put the information in the computer, said they, the computer said you're getting this much. <laughs> they can't tell you why. <laughs> the computer said it. But that's how we learned. And I remember sitting out, um, I was sitting with someone on a break, because it was like all night class. And after I got off work, by the way, eight hours working, then I went there and I learned how to do taxes at night. And so I'm sitting there on break. We had like a 15 minute break. And I told this guy, I never forget it. I don't even know, we were just talking. I said, you know what, man? I said, those that don't know have to go to somebody that do. <laughs> Th that was the revelation I got while I was sitting there. It, I said, I'll always be able to work because those that don't know have to go to somebody that do. And then fast forward 20 years later, that one skill that I acquired 20 plus years ago has been the thing that has kept me the most employed and financially secured than any other skill I ever, I ever uh, attained. Still to this day, I run tax programs, to this day. So that, that, that little bit of less than a year out of my life, learning how to, acquiring a skill has, has kept me for 20 plus years and has opened up all kinds of doors for me. So preparation time is never wasted time. Those, those things that you learn, those skills that you acquire, is never wasted because God has something in plan, as, as a plan for you in your future. And these guys had to, be, had to learn for three years how to stand before the king. This lasted Daniel the rest of his life. And as a result of, of learning this, he was, being able, he was able to be promoted countless times because of, this, because of learning this piece. If he neglected this piece, I don't care how much God was with him. He wouldn't be able to stand before the king. So, this is an important and profound lesson for all of us to learn. Before embarking on something, we should become knowledgeable of it first. Now again, knowledge is having accurate and precise information. It is skills acquired through experience and education. And I put it, it's foolish for a person to try to do something that they haven't taken the time to study first. When you do that, you're just gambling. You know, people say that investing money is gambling. It can be. If you haven't taken the time to become knowledgeable about investing, then it is gambling. You're just hoping. You don't, you don't know. You're just hoping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Any investment is risky, but it's a gamble when you don't know about it. You just can't say, I'm going to invest in real estate. Just spend your money on it. If you're not knowledgeable of it, you'll just lose it. I don't care what you try to invest in. You need to learn about what you're trying to do first. So that was the first part of Daniel's process. He had to be educated. He had to learn some things before he went to the next level. Now, number two, that was his natural test. He had to pass a spiritual test. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 16, it says, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile or taint or dishonor himself with the king's finest food or with the wine that the king drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he would not defile himself. And it says, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has prearranged your food and your drink. But why should your faces look more haggard than the young men who are your own age? 
Then you will make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please take, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the young men who eat the king's finest food be observed and compared by you. And deal with your servants in accordance with what you see. So the man listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it seemed that they were looking better and healthier than all the young men who had ate the king's finest food. So the overseer continued to withhold their fine food and the wine which they drank and kept giving them vegetables. Okay. This is the test that a lot of people don't make it through. That is the test of compromise. People oftentimes understand the importance of education because it's a natural thing, right? What people don't understand oftentimes is that you also have to pass some spiritual tests. I'm talking about to get blessed by God and be promoted by God. I'm not talking about man's promotion. When man promotes you, he can demote you. But when God promotes you, there ain't no such thing as that. If you want to get promoted by God, you don't have to just, you can't just pass natural tests. You got to pass spiritual tests. The biggest test is the test of compromise. See, God wants to know if you will compromise your, your God's values to get ahead. Every Israelite that was there with Daniel understood that they were defiling themselves according to God's law by eating with the king food and drinking his wine. But Daniel and his companions were the only ones that had a problem with it. Maybe the other, others had a problem with it as well. But out of fear, maybe they didn't speak up. Only Daniel and his companions had enough Holy Ghost guts to say, we won't defile ourselves. <laughs> and because they did that, God blessed them. And I put here, you don't even hear about the other people that were with him. Those other Israelites that were there. There were a lot of Israelites there. It was more than Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It, it was a lot of them there. But those are the only ones you hear about. Because they don't defile, they didn't defile themselves. And I put here, will you pass the test of compromise? Or will you compromise? Right? Will you laugh at all of their dirty jokes? Will you start cursing with them? Because you want to fit in. You know, see, compromising. Compromising your integrity. Compromising your values. You know, they start putting up all of this, you know, they start putting up all of these Halloween things. Oh, we want y'all to go out. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I didn't even go over to see the kids with the kids look back in the child's thing for Halloween. I don't care. Because I'm not into that stuff. Don't decorate my door with that stuff. Put it, put it over there. Don't put it on my door. I need no devils on my door. <laughs> Put them so, see compromise. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna compromise your integrity. If somebody tell you, you know, tell them I'm not here. You gonna lie for them? Getting real quiet in here. <laughs> I told people countless times. I said, you know, I said you're gonna be tested. I said, you know, you're you're see here you are in ministry, right? God bless you. What a great job. I said, you're going to be, you're going to be tested. And he said, well, look, man, we need you on Sunday. And before you got that job, he's here every Sunday. 
You know what I'm saying? Here every Sunday, you know. But as soon as they say, look, we need you on a Sunday, you don't come. See, God gives you an opportunity. I've been tested there. And mo multiple times. We need you on a Sunday, man. I, said, I can't come. Before I was pastoring, I can't come. When I was going to LOJ in Orange, serving Pastor Jason, I can't come. When I can't come Wednesdays, I can't come Sundays. Because <laughs> I got service. And, and none of them fired me for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if they did, so what? Then God's going to open up a bigger and better door for me because he's not going to, I'm not compromising. You know? I remember I was working from 12 to 8 on Wednesdays at Prudential. Every, I was working 12 to 8, Monday through Friday. I said, Wednesday nights, I got service. I need you to work with me on Wednesdays. And they, they gave me 10 to 6. So I was able to get off and be to church by 7 o'clock. They said, you know, oh, man, we got this major thing. Don't even come here. Talk about you can't come on Sundays. We need you. To, we need you this Sunday. I, I just I saw the email. I walked in. I said, look, man, I'm pastoring. I can't come on Sunday. Oh, I wasn't talking about you. I know that you got a pastor. I'm not. <laughs> as long as you know, because I'm not going to be here. <laughs> as long as you understand, because I ain't going to be here. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, so if you won't compromise, gotta back you up. But when you don't, when you do compromise, you may keep that job. But see, but God understands. I can't bless this person because they'll compromise. All right, God's not happy about my message no more. Thank you. Was more happy when I was talking about the other stuff. <laughs> But you got to pass the test of compromise. They said, we won't defile ourselves. I don't care. You know, and then later on, they had to pass another test of, of, of compromise. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know, they erected, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar erected this golden statue. He said, when, when you start hearing the music, y'all better hit the floor and start worshiping. And when they, that music started playing, they ain't hit the floor. <laughs> and they told Nebuchadnezzar, they said, you know, you know, these guys, man, these Jewish people, man, they won't, they don't respect your gods. And he was hot. He was like, you, he said, you're not going to fall down before my gods. He said, listen, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Now, when this music starts playing, y'all better hit the ground and start worshiping. If you don't, I'm throwing you in this fiery furnace. And he said, listen, man, <laughs> you know, we're not even careful about what we're about to say to you. Because our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to fall down and worship, worship these idols. And the Bible says he was so hot, he was so mad that he had them heat up the oven 10 times stronger than what it was. And he said, they said that, that his command was so quick that the guys that threw them in there, they died. They burned up throwing them in there. They, they were just at the door, they burned up. That's how hot it was. But God, but see, but God got in that fire with him. <laughs> and the Bible said he came in there. They saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around there. And he said, I saw a fourth guy in there, and he looked like the son of God. See, if you'll be willing to, to you know, not compromise, then God will get in the fire with you. All right. I'm talking about how to get promoted by God. Because God's promotion 
is on another level. Now, I finished. So they passed the natural test. They passed the test of compromise, which was the spiritual test. And now they're ready for promotion. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 to 21, it says, as for these three, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge. See, because of the fact that they were willing not to compromise. Now, I'm not talking about natural knowledge. God gave them knowledge. So, yeah, they learned about the child. They got knowledge from learning about the Chaldeans. They learned their language. You know, that's natural stuff. But then God gave them knowledge. And God gave them skill and all kinds of literature and wisdom. And it says, and Daniel also understood all kinds of visions and dreams. At the end of the time set by the king to bring all the young men in before them, the commander of all the officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And it said, the king spoke with them. And among them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they were selected and assigned to stand before the king and enter his personal service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them. Listen to this. He found them ten times better than all the learned magicians and enchanters in his whole realm. This is because they were willing to go through the process. They got the natural wisdom. They didn't fail the test of compromise. And then as a result, God blessed them and promoted them. And if you continue reading the book of Daniel, you'll just see Daniel continually getting promoted. I mean, I mean, he was he was getting promoted so much that he was he was going to be the he was like the second in command to the to the in the whole kingdom. Because he was willing to go through the process. The process including the test of compromise. And then God promoted him. And I put here, only after being educated and trained for three years and passing the test of compromise was Daniel and his companions qualified to stand before the king. And because they went through the process, these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all kinds of literature and wisdom. And the Bible says that Daniel also understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And God gave them so much wisdom that in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted him. I mean, every time he asked him a question, <laughs> he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. And I put, that's what happens to you when you're willing to go through the process. Now, I'm not finished here, but I got to finish today. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get into next week. I'm gonna be talking about being prepared and processed for relationships. I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna talk about being prepared to be a wife, being prepared to be a husband, and have a solid relationship. I'm gonna talk about being prepared for life's challenges, and I'm gonna talk about being prepared and process for wealth. So I'm going to try to get through that all next week. But I want to, you know, I wanted to lay that foundation today. And I know I moved a little bit slower today. But I'm going I'm to really get through this thing next week. But I wanted to just lay that foundation so that you guys can understand. Number one, that this is, this is something that 
has been given to you because of the fact that Jesus paid a price. So it is available to you. But just because something's available to you doesn't mean that you can just immediately just take it and lay hold of it, right? Because you have an inheritance, right? Oh, I'm going to inherit, you know, a million dollars or, you know, a hundred million dollars, right? That may be for when you hit the age of 24, right, or whatever. And here you are, 15. It's, it's there, right? It's something that belongs to you, but you can't get your hands on it until the appointed time. And the appointed time, the purpose for the appointed time is so that you can prepare yourself to, so you can be prepared to receive it. That's why they don't give kids a million dollars. <laughs> they got to be prepared to handle it. So they leave it with a trustee until, until they hit age. Right now, your stuff is, you know, is with a trustee. And he's like, when you're ready for it, I'm going to give it to you. But you have to be prepared and processed for you. You to be willing to go through that process to get it. All right. We're going to close here. Lift your hands to the Lord as we get ready to close. I pray that you got something out of this. But Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just want to say thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor. Father, I pray that this, that this word made a difference in someone's life today. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that you have spoken through me to the people and that they heard your word. And I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' name that this word didn't fall on deaf ears. That it didn't go into one ear and out the other. But I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' name that your beautiful people will be willing to go through the process to receive everything that you have for us. You have something great for us. It has been, it has been promised to us. It has been left for us as an inheritance. We are your children. We are your sons and your daughters. And as a result of that, we have been left an inheritance. But many of us right now, everybody here, including me, we are all in the process of being prepared to be able to receive the inheritance that you have for us. Some of us are just not ready. Some of us have, are, have been ready for some things, and that's why we have them, but not other things, and that's why we're still waiting on them. When the time comes and we're ready, we're prepared, we're processed, then I know we will receive everything that you have promised to give us. You have a time and a date circled on your calendar for when you're going to release the inheritance to us. And Father, we just want to say thank you. We bless you. God, we give you all the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for your word today. And again, I pray that it penetrated the hearts of your people and that it will bring forth a harvest. And for it, we bless you. We give you praise. We give you honor in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen. Amen. Now look, you're here today. You've never given your life to the Lord Jesus. You're watching online. You want to give your life to the Lord. You want to do that right now. I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. And we're just going to all say this simple prayer. You can do it from wherever you are, from here, from home. And I want us all to do this together. I just want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise as we get ready to close. Hallelujah. Now, look, we're about to get ready to close. We're going to worship God here with tithes, with offerings, special giving. Bible says to honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, your presses, they'll burst out with new wine. As I get ready to talk about, you know, next week, I'm going to be talking about, you know, finances. And I'm going to be talking about the, the law of gradual accumulation, right? Which is the process by which God gives you finances little by little to see how you handle them. And the ultimate thing with God is this. Can God trust you with wealth? Right? Can God trust you? If he were to give it to you, can he trust you with it? In other words, see, God wants us to understand that our money doesn't really belong to us. It belongs to him because he's given it to us. And if God has blessed us with something, he may say, look, I want you to do this with it. And if he knows that he, if he tells you to do something and you'll do it, then he'll make sure you always have it. See, but people, you know, some people can't give God an offering. Their tithes. That's how God proves you. That's how he begins to prove. Because if you can't give your tithes, there's no way if he says, I want you to give $1,000 over here, you're going to do it. And that's why, see, God proves us. And he's trying to see, can I trust you with my money? Not sure, you buy money. And God wants People want God to bless them, but they have to be proven first. They have to show themselves faithful in handling money, but then also in honoring God. So that's why he's introduced things like tithes and offerings, because he wants to see, will you honor me? When you have $10, will you give me one of them? When you have $100, will you give me 10 of them? Right? Will you honor me with the, with the amount that you have? Start there. Then little by little, I'll give you more. And then when, when I say to you, I need you to do this, I know you'll do it. I can trust that. And that's what God is trying to find out through your tithes and offerings. So tithes and offerings right now, they go in this envelope. You want to write a check, you write it to the love of Jesus. You can give on your debit card. You can use your cash app at uh, cash sign, dollar, uh, dollar sign, L-O-J-N-N. You can use our Givelify at love of Jesus of North Nork. You can use our... Zell at lojnorthnork at gmail.com. Also, like I told you, we are getting our baptismal pool. Need you guys' help on this. We want to finish everything off. You know, um, this thing costs as much more than I thought it was going to cost. But it's absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. Last week, I put, the, I put it up on the screen. It looks awesome. I mean, very, very beautiful. The tile is awesome. I mean, this thing is going to be amazing. And we probably will get it by Thursday. That is the hope. So today after service, I'm asking for those uh, to help me out because I want to clean out that closet back there so that we can, um, we want to run everything very smoothly because the water is going to come from that, that utility room. And then when we drain it out, it's going to drain out in that utility room. So we're going to, the baptismal pool will be on this side, and we'll roll it over there, and then we'll get the water from the utility room. So I want all that stuff out of there because we got a lot of junk inside there that we got to take care of and move out. But I'm asking, you know, I don't, I don't, I rarely do this. I just ask you guys to give your tithes and offerings. That's it. I, you know, and I just leave it up to God. 
and I'm leaving it up to God now. But I need, like, I'm believing God for like 10 people to sow $250 so we can finish this thing out and we can pay everything off. I just by faith threw everything on the credit card, believing God. <laughs> so I want to pay it off, right? I don't want no man nothing but love. So I'm asking you, if you can, you can sow $250 towards this uh, baptismal pool. Let me read this scripture to you. This is what God showed me. Because I believe, again, that this is going to be the most meaningful thing that we do this year. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, in the Amplified, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. Jesus. But John tried to prevent him, vigorously protesting, saying, It is I who needs to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus replied to him, Permit it just now for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness then John permitted it and baptized him I want to just say this real quick if it was important that important for Jesus to be baptized what about us right I mean he he, he, he said I gotta I gotta do this you know you're you're the one I gotta do this it is going to fulfill all righteousness, right? Or being in right standing with God. I need to do this. And if Jesus needs to do it, what about us? So that's why I believe it's going to be the most meaningful thing that we do all year. Because we're going to give people an opportunity to be baptized. Water baptized. It's going to be great. You know, so if you want to help with that, I'll ask you to. Again, I'm believing God for 10 people to sow $250 towards it so that we can pay this thing off and we'll be done with it. If you can do that, some of you can give more. Some of you can do less. Whatever God puts on your heart, I'm not begging nobody. But you can do that through one of these envelopes. You can do it through Cash App. You can do it through our Givelify. However you decide to do it, you can do it. I'm trusting God, and I know he's going to take care of it. But I put that out there for you to do something meaningful for God. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and worship God. That's it. Amen. Lord. Let's do that. Now, while we're doing this, I want to mention to you that, uh, as you guys know, on Thursday nights, we have our School of Ministry at 6 p.m. You should come. It's been awesome. We've had Reverend Fred with us, and he's been doing, God's been really using him to, I mean, just drop just golden nuggets. That's what I call them. He's been giving us golden nuggets. Really awesome teaching. I'm really grateful that he's been here. And we're going to have some, uh, this Thursday will be the last day that Reverend Fred is going to be with us on the uh, Thursday night. And then we're going to have a new guest ministry coming in February. But we have him um, this Thursday. You should come, 6 p.m. It'll bless you greatly. You know what I'm saying? If you want to learn, this school of ministry is all about developing leaders. Those that want to, our aspiring leaders, those that serve in the house, that want to go to the next level. And, you're, and at the end of it, we're also able to ask questions. And we give you an opportunity to write it down so we and, and you can ask it yourself or we can ask it for you. But... What an what a awesome thing to be able to do, right? Somebody that has 30 plus years in ministry that can give us wisdom, we're able to ask questions. Amazing, right? So you should come this Thursday. Um, I think that's it. All right. Let me take that off. Whose birthday is it? We sung for Annie last week. Yeah. Oh, you got a cupcake for her this week? You wanna, she wants to give you that. Can I give it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Look, 
how pretty Anna looks. <laughs> stretch, stretch forth your hands. Let's bless this offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for everybody that gave to this offering today. Father, bless your people. Open up for them the windows of heaven. Pour them out blessings that they don't even have room enough to receive. Shower them with the blessings and with the favor of God. Give them more than enough where there is no lack. Cause them to reap a harvest from the seeds that they've been sowing. Rain it upon them. And Father Ford, we just want to say thank you. We bless you. We give you praise, glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. All right. We'll give you want to sing happy birthday again? You, 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 you made it for her, so come on, you can give me that. She's made it. Anna got a happy birthday last week. She's getting a double portion. She said, I did it before time. Go ahead, light it up. We'll just sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Again, happy birthday to you, Anna. Happy birthday, dear Anna. Happy birthday to you. God's blessings. God's blessings on you. God's blessings on you. God's blessings on Anna. God's blessings on you. <laughs> happy birthday. You want to blow your candle out? Go ahead. Blow your candle out. Blow real hard. There you go. Yay! <laughs> Stretch forth your hands. Let's pray for her again. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, for and she eat nice. And <laughs> Father, we thank you for Anna. Thank you for putting your good hand upon her. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless her. Everything that she does, put our hands to, let it prosper, flourish, grow, and be successful. Raise her up to be mighty, to be powerful, and to do great works. And Father Fort, we thank you, we bless you, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Anybody say happy birthday. We love you. Is that icing good? All right. <laughs> All right, everybody stand up on your feet. Let me bless you. <laughs> Where's your shoes? <laughs> she don't like you let me bless you the Lord bless you keep you the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful and kind to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his holy peace in Jesus matchless name I want anybody to say I'm blessed and I can't be cursed in Jesus name amen the Lord bless you I love you have a great rest of your day Thursday night we have our school of ministry. Come, 6 o'clock. You'll be greatly blessed. Love you. Bless you. Play the soundtrack. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the Father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have some back. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the Father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have some back.
you do it, trust me, he gon' have some back. Springs. Come fellowship with us at the Love of Jesus Church of North North. Led by pastors Gavin and Tanya Taylor. Where our mission is to find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a problem and solve it.